Good morning, everybody. Um, very warm welcome to the, the Sunday service of the Free Community Church today on the 10th of uh, December. Uh, very warm welcome. And uh, my name is Daryl. I'm your service leader for today. So to get us started on, uh, for this Sunday service, I'd like to invite you to just turn to one another and warmly greet one another on this beautiful morning. And a shout out to those who are joining us online as well. Um, do say hi, drop your name in and introduce yourselves and our friendly producers will, um, will, will also attend to you. So this is the second Sunday of Advent and in, to mark the Sunday, we will be lighting the second Advent ca uh, candle. To prepare ourselves for worship this morning, may I invite you to stand in body or in spirit and join me in the call to worship. Come in. Come in and sit down. You are part of the family. We are, we are lost, lost and, and we, we are found and we are, we are part, part of, of the family. family. We know, God, that we who have gathered here are part of the family but we also know that the family is much bigger still. There are people we don't understand. There are people we disagree with. There are people we don't like. There are people who don't like us. Challenge us, God, to expand our vision of family until we see all of creation as one big family. Amen. Please remain standing as we continue in the time of worship.
Please be seated. Let us now come to God in corporate prayer. Lord, our Father and our Creator, indeed we give thanks to you for bringing us to this day where 2023 is almost coming to an end. That no matter whether we have accomplished what we have set out to do, or we failed miserably, we still give thanks to you for this day and for this moment. That while we look forward to celebrating the festive season, may we not forget the areas in the world that is not able to celebrate due to war conflicts, due to climate changes, and due to a myriad of reasons because of what we humans choose to do. God, the racial and religious division seems to be getting worse and worse. People are losing their jobs because of the stance that they choose to take. It seems that we can only choose to support one or the other and that everything is, that each other is on the opposite ends. But God, we know that life is not black and white but there's a lot of grey in between. And that no parties are always either in the right or wrong. In this polarised world, God, may we learn to listen and communicate. And even if we are to disagree on issues, may we still learn to be able to see you in other and to treat each other with respect and dignity. In this holiday season, we also pray for those who are away from their family and loved ones or who do not have a good relationship at home, that this period of time can be especially lonely for some are celebrating and some are alone. As FCC's tagline is Welcome Home, may we learn to be the family that you call us to be, to welcome everyone into this family where they can experience your love. We also pray for those who may not be in the pink of health 
whether physically because of the COVID cases that have been rising or the flu bug that's been going around, mentally due to stress at home, at work, or emotionally due to any relationship issues, that they may be able to find peace and solace with you. But last and not least, we pray for the caregivers who may not be able to rest, even when this period is supposed to be a time of rest and celebration, that we may learn to give a helping hand so that anyone who needs a break can take a break, so that we may be able to face this world and the years and the days ahead with strength, with courage, and with energy. In Jesus' most precious name we pray and give thanks. Amen.
voices, we're going to sing bright lights. Just hear ourselves. Shines forth from your direction and lead us Bright lights, bright lights, shines forth from your direction and lead us Bright lights, bright lights, shines Welcome to FCC. So this morning, I want to invite you to get onto menti.com, um, and you'll be able to follow on with the slides that we have for today. Uh, there won't be any questions today, um, but um, the slides will be probably helpful to you as you go along. So um, for those of you who may not know, uh, I was actually not scheduled to be preaching today. Uh, Alvin was actually scheduled, and he had prepared a really lovely sermon, um, but he was uh, tested positive for COVID this morning, and so uh, we were all kind of scrambling along, trying to figure out the best way to do this. So I apologize to those of you who were looking forward to Alvin um, preaching. Uh, you'll have to make do with me, uh, reading his sermon on his behalf. And I pray that um, God will somehow bring across the message that God wants to bring through His words, okay? Will you join me in a word of prayer as we pray before we go into the word? God of peace, God of love, we thank you that this second Sunday of Advent, that we get to gather together as your people to anticipate to prepare for the arrival of Christ being birthed in our hearts again. And so God, we pray that even as we go into this time looking into your word, that you guide our hearts and our minds and our words. And I pray that the heart and intention um, of Elvin who prepared this sermon uh, so beautifully 
that God will be conveyed through in this time, and more importantly, that your Holy Spirit will work in each of our hearts, each of our lives, that we may hear what you may want to say to us as we commit this time and our hearts into your hands. As we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, today's lectionary reading, imagine, this is Elvin. Today's lectionary reading comes from Mark uh, chapter 1, verse 1 to 8. And it goes, The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. We are in the season of Advent, the season of preparation. And our theme for this Advent is immeasurably more. And our theme comes from Ephesians 3, verse 20, where the Apostle Paul wrote that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to God's power that is at work within us. So last week, Gary spoke about preparing for the impossible. And for today's sermon, I want to ask, can we dare to imagine the impossible so that we can prepare for the impossible? And how do we even prepare for the impossible? In today's passage, John the baptizer, who was a forerunner to Jesus, proclaims, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So what is the way? And how do we prepare the way of the Lord today? When you hear the words, the way, you might be thinking of the famous Bible verse, right? John 14, verse 6, where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, what did Jesus mean when he said, no one comes to the Father except through me? What are the other ways that Jesus seems to be addressing? And this is a tough one. This statement by Jesus seems to be exclusionary, right? It seems to be saying that you must believe only in Jesus and nobody else. Yet I find the wisdom, that wisdom can be found in many places. I have learned from many secular and religious sources, and these teachings outside of Christianity have enriched my life and have helped me deal with difficult situations. So what do we make of the wisdom and teachings found in other religions? In this sermon, I'm going to reference authors from other religions, and we may have different reactions to that, and that's okay. I'm doing this because in my journey, at some point, I was disillusioned with Christianity. 
But what brought me back is my encounters and interactions with people of other faiths, which helped me, nourished me, strengthened me, and allowed me to bravely reclaim my place in the Christian faith. At FCC, we come from many different backgrounds, and from those backgrounds, we hold many different teachings close to our hearts. Whatever your position is, I just want to invite you to listen to something that you might not have considered before. So, what is the way of Jesus? A way is a path, or a road, or a journey, not a set of beliefs. Jesus embodies the way and shows us the way. Jesus modeled the way in his entire life story. I like the way one person put it. When Jesus said, I am the way, he meant that to have a true relationship with God, you must practice his way. In the Acts of the Apostles, the early Christians always spoke of their faith the way. To me, I am the way is a better statement than, I know the way. The way is not an asphalt road, but we must distinguish between the I, spoken by Jesus, and the I that people usually think of. The I in his statement is life itself, his life, which is the way. If you do not really look at his life, you cannot see the way. If you only satisfy yourself with praising a name, even the name of Jesus, it is not practicing the life of Jesus. We must practice it. We must practice, let me go back again. We must practice living deeply, lovingly, and acting with charity if we wish to truly honor Jesus. The way is Jesus himself and not just some idea of him. Now, this quote is from Buddhist monk, Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh, from his book, Living Buddha, Living Christ. And I find that strangely and wonderfully, wisdom about our faith tradition has come from a master of a different faith tradition. And I'm quoting from a Buddhist monk because I see many connections between Buddhism and the way of Jesus. The most prominent to me is that Buddhism teaches nonviolence. And the way of Jesus is also decidedly nonviolent. There are so many teachings about nonviolence in the life of Jesus. Jesus said, Love your enemies. In Matthew 5, verse 43 44, he said, You have heard that it was said you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies. This is violence prevention through loving kindness. In Buddhism, this is the concept of metta. And in the Hebrew Bible, it's called hasset. So in English translations of the Bible, hasset has been translated to mercy, kindness, or goodness. With loving kindness, we can stop the root of violence by loving people who are supposed to be our enemies. By loving our enemies, we have the power to stop violence at the speed of thought. Jesus also said, he who is without sin cast the first stone. He said this to an angry crowd, a mob, who was about to stone a woman accused of adultery. And, Jesus said to, and they said to him, right, 
Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? And this was a tense situation, and violence was about to break out. And what did Jesus do? Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. Jesus intervened, but did not use violence to counter violence. Jesus used diversion and the power of silence. But Jesus did not just keep silent for long. He also spoke up. Verse 7 said, When they kept on questioning him, Wait, huh? Back one more. Ah, there you go. When they kept on questioning him, straightened up and he said to them, let anyone among you who's without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And once again, he bent down and wrote on the ground. And when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. This is what nonviolent intervention looks like. De-escalation and speaking up. We have the responsibility to stop violence that is about to happen. And Jesus showed us that we don't have to stop violence with more violence. Jesus said, turn the other cheek. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 to 40, Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. Here, Jesus is showing us the art of nonviolent resistance or how to expose injustice through nonviolence. You see, if someone strikes you on the cheek by turning the other cheek, you resist humiliation. You expose the slap for what it is a violent and unjust act. Turning the other cheek is a profound act of nonviolence, it shames and calls out a perpetrator of violence. Turning the other cheek is not weakness. Turning the other cheek is strength. Jesus said, all who take the sword will perish by the sword. And he said that when a disciple used a sword to defend Jesus from being arrested. In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus said to him, friend, do what you are here to do. And then they came and laid hands on Jesus and arrested him. And suddenly, one of those of Jesus put his hand on the sword, drew it, struck the slave of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. And we know how this story unfolds. The arrest would lead to Jesus' crucifixion. And if there was a time when violence would be justified in the name of self-defense, that would have been it. But Jesus gave himself to arrest and walked the way of nonviolence all the way to the very end. This is the way of Jesus, the way of nonviolence. No buts and no excuses. But if Jesus was about nonviolence, then what do we make of all the violence in the Bible 
And what do we make of all the violence in the world today? I think that just because there's violence in the Bible, that doesn't mean that we have to condone it or that violence is justified. Violence in the Bible reflects violence in the time and place where the books of the Bible were written. Yet violence is not something that happened, not just something that happened during biblical times. There's violence in our world today. Now, we can't talk about violence in the world today without addressing one of the most important ongoing conflicts, the war in Gaza. And this is a difficult issue, but it's important for us to process and reflect on what this conflict means to us as Christians, especially in light of Jesus' teachings on nonviolence. It's important to address this because although the conflict is a political one, it has a lot of religious rhetoric associated with it. The Mufti of Singapore wrote in a commentary about the Israel-Hamas war. And he said, for the rest of us, especially faith communities, we need to speak up more in support of peace and to avoid getting entangled in any warped theology fanning conflict and violence. Unfortunately, Christianity is not exempt from warped theology. There are dark corners of Christianity with theologies that seem to support conflict and violence. And we need to shine a light on these dark corners. You may be familiar with the view, or you may have heard, that just as John prepared the way of Jesus' first coming, now we have to prepare the way for Jesus' second coming. You might have also heard the view that Christians should support the modern state of Israel because Jews are God's chosen people. Some even go so far as to say that Christians must support Israel in its conflict with Palestine because they believe that Israel's victory will bring about the end times and trigger Jesus' second coming. I find such end times theology deeply troubling. And I wonder if it troubles you too. What troubles me is that this theology says that the death of a lot of people is necessary before God's kingdom is established on earth. But is that what God's kingdom is about? A kingdom built on a foundation of death and destruction? End times theology is a topic for another sermon, but I think here we should name the problem so we can wrestle with it. I feel very uncomfortable with a theology that would tell me to support a certain side in a war. Perhaps like me, you have come from a previous church background that taught something like that. And perhaps you have grown uncomfortable with this teaching too. It took me a while to identify my discomfort, but I think it's down to this. If a church tells me to support Israel based on the belief that they are God's chosen people, and to support Israel to hasten the coming of Christ, then in the end, it seems to be all about gaining self-benefit. I feel, I feel that I'm being asked to choose sides out of self-benefit. And I don't think this is the right reason to support our Jewish friends. We support our Jewish friends not for the hope of self-benefit. We support our Jewish friends just as much as we support our Muslim friends our Hindu friends, our Buddhist friends, our atheist friends. We support our friends of all faiths and non-faiths 
Because the way of Jesus is to love our neighbours as ourselves. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus said to him, the person, the teacher of the law who was asking him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. And who is this neighbor? I just want you to consider this. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And where is Bethlehem today? Not in Israel. Bethlehem is in neighboring Palestine. If Jesus was born today, he would have been born at the Palestinian side of the wall. Jesus would be the neighbor in the West Bank. When John the baptizer was in the wilderness proclaiming, proclaiming prepare the way, he was actually quoting from Isaiah 40 which was written during the time of the Israelite exile in Babylon. Prepare the way was about return from exile. So we must ask ourselves, who is in exile today? Who is displaced just like Mary and Joseph were displaced? In the Christmas story today that was told in the Gospel of Matthew, Mary and Joseph had to flee with baby Jesus from Bethlehem to Egypt. They had to flee because King Herod ordered for children in and around Bethlehem to be killed. Similarly, in the Israel-Hamas war, 500,000 Israelis have been displaced and 1.9 million Palestinians have been displaced. When Hamas attacked Israel on 7th of October, at least 29 children were killed. And since then, in the war in Gaza, more than 4,000 Palestinian children have been killed. How do we celebrate Christmas during a time of war in the Holy Land? How can we talk about peace and joy of Christmas during a time of war and suffering? Perhaps we can learn from the church leaders in Jerusalem, Bethlehem and Jordan who have cancelled public Christmas celebrations and called for a quiet and introspective Christmas. Now I'm not asking all of us to cancel our holiday parties, but their actions should give us pause to think. What is Christmas really about? What is Christmas to you? For me growing up, like most kids, I liked Christmas. I remember following my mother shopping at Orchard Road, at Robinson's, John Little, and other department stores that no longer exist. I remember always complaining about being tired, standing around while she would take her time shopping. But I also remember the Christmas songs that were playing in the department stores. Those were the sounds of Christmas. At the church I grew up in, sometimes there would be Christmas caroling for us Sunday school kids. We would sing songs like Silent Night. And I always wondered about strange lyrics like Round Yon Virgin. And I still don't know what Round Yon Virgin means. But those were the sounds of Christmas. And while in university, I remember spending Christmas overseas. And they would play the same Christmas songs too. I was far from home. But those were the sounds of Christmas. 
And after university, as many of you know, I left the church I grew up in. I left in protest of their anti-LGBTQ stance. And since then, I had lost the church community I had grown up with. Christmases after that were hard. Every Christmas would evoke memories of previous Christmases with the community that I had lost. So then I would avoid Christmas things if I could help it. And later on, when I would do my PhD overseas, I joined a progressive Christian community on campus. And I loved that group. But every year before Christmas, they had a tradition of caroling outside before dinner indoors. And I would usually make an excuse and just join them for the dinner. One year, because of bad weather, there was a change of plans. And they decided to combine carols and dinner indoors. So there I was, stuck with having to sing carols before dinner. I thought I could just zone out during the carols until it was time for dinner. But then they began to sing Silent Night. And those were the sounds of Christmas. It reminded me of caroling when I was in Sunday school with my previous church. And I just couldn't deal with the memories that were coming back. So I tried to quietly disappear into the kitchen. And sometime later, a friend came into the kitchen to get the food. And she must have read my face because she asked me what was wrong. And I told her. I don't remember what exactly I said, or what exactly she said, or whether she even said anything. But what I remember is being listened to in a deep way. I was listened to in a way so deep that, deep, that seemed to say, I see you. I see your pain. Your pain is valid. I am here for you. And in that moment, I felt my pain ease up just because I was listened to. This skill, the art of deep listening, is one of the most powerful things I have ever experienced. And maybe you have experienced it too. The thing is, we all can cultivate this skill. Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh teaches deep listening, compassionate listening, is not listening with the purpose of analyzing or even uncovering what has happened in the past. You listen first of all in order to give the other person relief, a chance to speak out, to feel that someone finally understands him or her. Deep listening is the kind of listening that helps us to keep compassion alive while the other speaks, which may be for half an hour or 45 minutes. And during this time, you have in mind only one idea, one desire, to listen in order to give the other person the chance to speak out and suffer less. This is your only purpose. Other things like analyzing, understanding the past can be a byproduct of this work. But first of all, listen with compassion. Compassion. In this season, perhaps one way we can prepare the way for Christ is practice the art of deep listening. Practice deep listening during gatherings and holiday parties. Listen to your friends. Listen to our siblings of other faiths, especially those affected by what is happening in Gaza. 
Seek to understand their pain. Practice interfaith dialogue. Interfaith dialogue is an essential life skill in the diverse world we live in. We need to know how to deeply relate with people who orientate differently around religion. If you want to practice deep listening and interfaith dialogue, there are opportunities to do so with FCC and our friends. One organization that we commonly partner with is SIFU, the Center for Interfaith Understanding. And our late pastoral advisor, Reverend Yapkin Howe, had been a strong supporter of interfaith dialogue, and he had said that rising re religiosity must be accompanied by a willingness to interact and learn from one another's faith communities. It is through such study, dialogue and action within and between different religions that we are able to achieve common values for the good of all. Deep listening and interfaith dialogue. I believe that these are the kinds of things that can truly change the world. Can we dare to imagine deep listening and deep dialogue changing the world? Plum Village, the monastic community founded by Thich Nhat Hanh, hosts summer retreats for international visitors. In 2001, they invited a few dozen Palestinians and Israelis to spend two weeks to live with the community and practice mindfulness. At the end of their stay, the participants reported, when we first came to Plum Village, we couldn't believe it. Plum Village did not look real to us because it's so peaceful. In Plum Village, we did not feel the kind of anger, tension and fear that we feel constantly in the Middle East. People look at each other with kind eyes. They speak to each other lovingly. There's peace. There's communication. There's brotherhood and sisterhood. One member of the delegation said, we spent two weeks in paradise. Another person wrote to me after he returned home and said, this is the first time that I have believed that peace is possible in the Middle East. That peace is possible in the Middle East. Is this not, as Paul says in Ephesians, immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine? Can we even dare to imagine peace? When during Christmas we say, peace on earth, goodwill to mankind, do we dare to imagine the impossible? Peace on earth, the entire earth, including the Middle East. How is it that the Israelis and Palestinians could, for the very first time, imagine that peace is possible? How were the Israelis and Palestinians transformed so deeply in two weeks? Thich Nhat Hanh says, Honestly, we did not do much. We just embraced these friends from the Middle East as brothers and sisters. We in the Sangha offered our support sitting with our visitors and practicing listening with compassion with them. We trained them to speak in such a way that the other side could hear and understand and accept. They spoke in a calm way, not condemning anyone, not judging anyone, 
They told the other side of all the suffering that had happened to them and their children, to their societies. They all had the chance to speak of their fear, anger, hatred, despair. Many felt for the first time that they were listened to and that they were being understood, which relieved a lot of the suffering within them. We listened deeply, opening our hearts with the intention to help them express and heal themselves. Like the Israeli and Palestinian guests in Plum Village, we can practice deep listening and compassionate speech to open our hearts and prepare the way for what seems to be an impossible peace. Now, deep listening also includes listening to ourselves. If you have found this sermon difficult and find yourself challenged or disturbed, I would like to invite you to listen deeply to yourself. Where does this discomfort come from? Why do you take the positions that you are taking? Why do you believe what you believe? And where is God leading you in your journey? And you don't have to be alone in figuring this out. As a community, we can practice deep listening and compassionate speech with one another. Sometimes that includes disagreeing, and that's okay. We can disagree with each other and yet understand each other deeply. If you have disagreed with some of the things I have said here, I want you to know it's okay. Thank you for listening anyway. Finally, I think that deep listening also includes listening deeply to God. We can listen deeply to God and listen deeply to ourselves through prayer. Prayer is not just talking to God, but also listening to ourselves. Through listening to ourselves, we know the right things to say to God. And if we still lack the words, we can always borrow the words of others to express what's inside. So with this in mind, I'll conclude with a prayer of peace from Pope Francis. So will you pray with me? Lord God of Abraham, God of the prophets, God of love. You created us and you call us to live as brothers and sisters, as siblings. Give us the strength daily to be instruments of peace. Enable us to see everyone who crosses our path as our sibling. Make us sensitive to the plea of our citizens who entreat us to turn our weapons of war into implements of peace our trepidation into confident trust, and our quarreling into forgiveness. Keep alive within us the flame of hope so that with patience and perseverance we may opt for dialogue and reconciliation. In this way, may peace triumph at last and may the words division, hatred and war be banished from the heart of every person. Lord, diffuse the violence of our tongues and our hands. Renew our hearts and minds so that the word which always brings us together will be brother, sister, sibling. And our way of life will always be that of shalom, peace, salam. Amen.
Let us prepare for a time of Holy Communion. We gather each Sunday at this table, even though at this time we may not all be physically together. The table of God's feast transcends time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries. So at this table, we recognize no boundaries. At FCC, we celebrate an open communion table. This means you do not have to meet any criteria. You do not have to be a member. You do not have to be baptized. We only need to recognize that God's grace is sufficient. God of mercy, mercy and justice, be, be with, with us. We lift, we lift our, our hearts to you, not because we have to, not because we are supposed to, but because it is how we respond to your unconditional love, because it feels good to know we are loved. As long as there have been people to tell them, our ancestors in faith have shared stories of your mercy, of how you gave food to the poor, clothes to the naked, and shelter to the lost. As long as there have been people to tell them, our ancestors in faith have shared stories of your justice, of how, of how you, you gave freedom to the enslaved, opportunity to the outcast, and peace to the war-torn. You acted with both mercy and justice, rescuing the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, providing them with manna when they were hungry. And your people acted with both mercy and justice, like the prophets who cried out to care for widow, orphan, and foreigner and those who provided food, shelter, and community. You have shared your mercy and justice with us, not only as gifts to be received from you, but as gifts that we are to share with the world. We see this gift most clearly in the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus showed us what a life of mercy and justice looked like. In mercy, he gave food to the hungry, with justice, he broke, he broke social, social custom and shared tables with the powerful and the lowly at once. In mercy, he cared for the sick. With justice, he broke religious custom and healed on the Sabbath. In mercy, he had compassion for the poor. With justice, he spoke out against the empire that held them in poverty. In mercy, he washed his disciples' feet. With justice, he died without protest to expose a corrupt system. On the night he was handed over to the unjust system that killed him, he protested by sharing a meal with his friends. There he took bread, gave thanks for God's mercy in providing it, shared God's mercy by giving it to his friends. Then he called them to remember the injustice of his broken body every time they ate bread. After they ate, he took the cup, gave thanks for God's mercy in providing it, shared God's mercy by giving it to his friends, then called them to remember the injustice of his spilled blood every time they drank wine.
together. But that, that wasn't all. God's mercy and justice burst forth when Jesus died, and his resurrection gave hope to all those who hunger for mercy and thirst for justice. God will always equip those who seek to share mercy and justice. Even death cannot stop God's incredible grace. So we ask God's Holy Spirit to be poured out on this meal, on these gifts of mercy, bread and juice, that we may remember Jesus' ministry of mercy and justice, that these gifts of mercy may become for us the body and blood of Christ so that we may show mercy and do justice, not just for ourselves, but for the transformation of the world. May I invite the, the stewards to um, distribute the elements. Let us partake of the elements with gratefulness. Please rise in body or spirit and join me in the prayer of communion. 
God, through this meal, we pray that your grace would empower us to do justice, justice to, to offer mercy, and to do so with humility. You've given us your Son as an example, and your Holy Spirit as an advocate. Give us the courage to do your work in the world. Amen. Please be seated, and you may pass the cups to the aisles for collection. So once again, um, it's up to me to very warmly welcome everyone again to the Sunday service of Free Community Church. It's great to see all of you here with us, both physically and to those who are online as well, a very warm welcome. My name is Daryl. I'm your service leader for today. And I just want to say a word of um, deep appreciation and acknowledgement to, to um, Elvin for preparing that very heartfelt um, uh, message. I think his... Um, for me, at least listening to the message, his convictions around nonviolence, around compassion and, and deep listening, the importance of deep listening were really especially moving. So really appreciate um, Alvin and um, I, on behalf of everyone here, I'm sure he's listening, tuning in online. We hope you're feeling okay. We are with you in, in heart and in spirit and we feel, uh, hope you get better soon. Um, Alright, so let's move on with the announcements. I think first we would like to warmly welcome anyone who is joining us uh, as a newcomer who is new to our community. Uh, we would like to reach out to you specially to uh, welcome you. So do leave us your details um, with, through the, the link or the QR code that you see on the screen there. Um, it's a chance for us to reach out to you, say hi and get to know you a little bit better. If you're interested to get to know us a little bit better as a community, we do hold um, newcomers meetings for people who are new to us uh, every month. Um, for the month of December, newcomers meeting will be um, immediately after service on the 17th of December. That will be next Sunday. And at these meetings, you will have a chance to meet with the pastors and some of the church leaders, kind of get to know um, who we are, what we believe in, how we approach uh, faith and spirituality. So do um, let us know you are coming through the uh, email info at freecomchurch.org or you can just drop in after service next Sunday. Now we move into a time of giving um, and there are two ways to give uh, in terms of the offering uh, on Sunday morning. Um, you can, uh, the, the QR codes are either on the screen or should be in stickers on the, on the backs of the seats in front of you and um, the church, FCC, is fully funded through your giving and your, your generosity. So um, uh, really encourage you to kind of um, give thoughtfully in terms of the offering. Um, the other way of giving is through cash, uh, and in a moment, our stewards will be going around uh, and uh, for you to um, put in uh, your cash offering in the offering bag. So let me, uh, before we take up the offering, let me just uh, take a moment to pray over the offering. Please join me in prayer. Dear God, plant in us a heart of generosity not just through the offering that we put into the bag, but more importantly, through the generosity that we, we show to one another in our interactions 
through our love, kindness, patience, compassion. This is the generosity that truly builds your kingdom here on earth. Grant us also the wisdom and discernment in being good stewards of the gifts that you have blessed us with. In this spirit, I pray all this in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. So may I invite the stewards to um, take up the offering. So if you would like to put a cash offering in, please um, raise your hand and the stewards will come round to you. And while that is happening, we can move on with the announcements. Yeah, first up, we would like um, to say a very big word of appreciation to all the people who have generously donated to the T-Mart food drive that was just concluded. Um, the T-Mart team would like to um, update everyone that the, that the food distribution was completed on the 3rd of December and 13 beneficiaries benefited from um, the food drive this time. So thank you very much for your generosity and the donations. Your heart is very much appreciated in that sense. Um, do keep a lookout as TMAP will continue to have um, um, activities around this uh, in the coming months. And next up, we have an uh, announcement for, from the Chinese ministry. Um, it, this, this, was a, this is a series of actually a Christian education talks, um, I believe held over three uh, uh, sessions. Um, so this will, is an announcement for the, the third and final session that's happening on the 12th of December. Um, that would be Tuesday evening, I believe. Um, so, Benny will be speaking with us. The general theme of these sessions are, is about living in Christ. And in the last session, we'll be talking about the how our spirituality can be manifested through um, our daily lives. So, do join us, um, especially, uh, especially invite your Mandarin-speaking friends um, to drop in for this session. We will be starting a new online cell group in uh, 2024. This is especially an acknowledgement that we actually have many friends and, and uh, family of, of FCC who have moved away uh, overseas, and, but who would still very much like to stay connected um, with us um, through the online medium. And fortunately now, I mean, people are very familiar with Zoom. So um, we have people who have, have it on their hearts to actually um, build an online community for people who may not be able to drop in physically very often. So do sign up for the new cell group um, uh, at this link, fcc.ly slash new online CG. Um, so that's, that's another chance to, to kind of um, connect with us. Okay, next. Um, yes, and we have an uh, announcement around Christmas service. So, interestingly, so as I learned from Pauline this year, actually, Advent this year is three weeks long, so we will only light three candles during Advent because Christmas Eve is on Sunday. So, we will be celebrating Christmas one day early on the 24th of December. That will be Sunday. And, and uh, just a, a strong reminder around this because Christmas this year will be an evening service. So we will be starting at 5 p.m. 
Um, the service will start in the evening and will be followed by dinner after that. So please do reach out to friends and family who may be interested. Uh, Christmas service is usually quite a fun time. We meet, there's carol singing, you know, and then um, we'll really experience the Christmas story together. And this time round, I understand from the welcome team that there will be gift bags prepared. So a little bit of enticement for you to bring um, people that you may know. That's for Christmas. And um, finally, today, um, our lunch khaki, who will be hosting lunch for people who may be fairly new to our community, will be Gordon. Gordon is in pink and is waving, sitting on the left side, my left of the sanctuary. So Lunch Kakis is a ministry um, meant for people who have not yet quite gotten to know uh, many people in the community, but um, the fellowship after service really continues through lunch as well. So do stay with us. Reach out to Gordon. He'll be waiting at the back of the sanctuary. Just uh, go up to him, say hi, I would like to join you for lunch, and he will be there to host you um, um, downstairs at the nearby coffee shop for lunch, and you can get to know each other. I believe that's the last, um, yes, and it, I would like to invite Pauline to give us the benediction. And now, uh, may I invite you to rise in body and spirit for the benediction. God of peace and love, you called us as your people to be channels, instruments of peace in this world. And sometimes we don't even know how we can begin to do so. But today, God, we are reminded that you are the way, that Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. And so God, teach us how we can be like you, how can we can prepare the way for peace in our world today, in the circles that we navigate in, to the people that you send us to, God help us to learn what it means to show compassion through deep listening, through holding space for someone to ease their suffering. Help us to understand and hopefully in the process be understood as well. May we grow as a community a community of people who will prepare the way for peace because you are a God of peace. So now go, and may our God of Shalom go with you both now and forever. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for service today. Please be blessed and go, and God's presence go with you in this coming week. Thank you. <laughs>